0: Visit RobertHalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the first cut podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Memorial
1: Tournament. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? Rick, what is up? I am so excited to break down the memorial. I I hope you can see it. I'm legitimately excited. Uh, I can't wait to get the show started.
0: Stacked Field, great tournament, lots of changes, so plenty to discuss. And rounding out our group for today, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, good to see you, bud. Hey, good to see you, too. I uh, hope
2: everybody's having a great Memorial Day, um, an important day for me, no no doubt about it. So I'm ex- I'm very excited. I'm, I'm sorry, Jacob, if I'm dating the show already, but we have a tendency to do that, the three of us. We like We're to date live. it right it's away. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Memorial Day. I got the red, white, and blue on, uh, American flag belt underneath that I, I don't think I need to show you. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a great day. I'm very excited about it. And nothing more American than that Madonna mic that you are rocking right yes, now, my friends. Congratulations! Well, and also I gotta say, Rick, the T-shirt. We can't quite oh, see the full T-shirt, but I think is. on there. Yeah, there you go. I uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I'm definitely ordering one of each. My wife is
0: Team Brooks. Yeah. It's splitting households, you know. I mean, it's yeah. It's, uh, this was all my wife's doing. She was actually out of town for a couple of days, and these came in the mail. And I'm like, what who who sent us these? And she's like, No, I made them up and had them sent in. I'm like, they're I, great. I've never loved you more than this moment yeah. right now. It's it's beautiful.
2: <laughs> what is this? This is like uh there's a there's a show that your wife probably watched or watches i know mine did, with like vampires and werewolves right what is that? Is, is that where this comes from team werewolf oh, yes. team vampire. Uh, yes. yeah. twilight. it's like a
0: famous yes twilight, twilight. Team, Ed, team edward and who's the other guy team jacob oh team jacob there you go oh, there you go that's where the, that's
2: where i think she or maybe <laughs> that whole have... thing started there i think i don't, I don't know. know but it's a brilliant idea i love it i'm i'm ordering two uh likely today
0: Love it, love it, love it. While you're watching the stream, while you're listening to the podcast version, don't be afraid, hit that like button on YouTube, comment with who you think's gonna win this week, leave a five-star rating and review, all that good stuff, and see you. You've probably seen it all over social media this week, but Floyd, Money, Mayweather will be fighting viral star Logan Paul this Sunday on Showtime, and there is only one place to get all your coverage for this carnival boxing match, the Morning Combat Podcast. Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas will be on site in Miami all week long to provide you with everything you need leading up to the fight. Follow Morning Combat wherever you listen to podcasts to get all the preview content you need for this crazy event
1: that you're a fan of this, aren't you, Sia? Obviously, I got to catch that morning combat <laughs> podcast, though. And by the way, I'm just a few miles from that fight. So uh, I'm, I'm going to head down there. I'm going to see what see what magic I can make. Maybe maybe get involved in that fight somehow. We'll see. There you that, go. Was,
2: that was much better this week. Much Sia. better. Good yeah. Idea.
1: Okay. So I almost interrupted myself. <laughs> just to, you know, that, I'm glad you didn't ask me about soccer. That's all. <laughs> yeah,
0: we love all the promos. Uh, and we love golf. That is actually true. We do very much love golf. And we've got a banger this week, gentlemen it's the memorial it is a staple on the schedule it garners a- an excellent field i mean where do you want to start greg you want to start with the field or the course what do you want to do
2: oh um i think we start with the course and then we go yeah. into field and then we'll go into player. so i think that makes a ton of sense so
0: uh the golf All course right. here go ahead rick let's do- Okay, here it is. It's Mirfield Village. It's a par 72, but it's gone through uh, quite a a bit of renovations, a tiny little redesign on some of these green complexes. Essentially, they've spent the last 10 or 11 months uh, getting this course uh, in shape for this week. And We talked about it a little bit on the first look preview pod, uh, Greg, where where a lot of these holes were touched. Every single bunker has been touched. Uh, There's some holes like number 15 that have bigger changes than others, but this is going to... To be at least a slightly different version of this event than we've seen in years past. Yeah. A
2: couple of things that I find really cool about it. Um, I like the addition of the trees, uh, what 140 trees they've added to the golf course. That's, that, that's a significant amount over the course of a, it's basically, if you say the par threes, it doesn't really have much of a fe- I mean, you're almost talking about 10 trees per hole. Which um, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I think that's good for a golf course like this. Makes it a little more makes it makes driving accuracy a little bit more important, which I think is great. Um, then the other thing, the other thing that will affect driving accuracy is new greens. And when you have new greens, even if they didn't change any of the contours, just regrassing greens in that first year, they get extremely firm. Like I'll give you, a, I, I had two instances where I experienced regrassing, in my um, in my career, one in college, the college course that we played one summer, they redid, they redid all the greens, brand new greens. They didn't touch any of the fairways and it was in Myrtle beach. So it's kind of a wet golf course on the swampy side. I mean, it would get really wet. And so the ball would come in and if it landed literally an inch shy of the green, it would, it would plug maybe spin back it it would plug if it landed on the front edge of the green we're talking inches i mean it's football here it's a game of inches it would bounce over the back so you got vastly different surfaces because new greens hold a little bit firmer so um i I think this week you'll the the apron they'll handle it much better than they did at my college course at the time the aprons will be done right and you'll be able to play the ball up short in certain cases but the point is the golf course is going to be a lot firmer and that uh that that will increase the difficulty. Difficulty, no question.
0: Well, it already on a course that was the second most difficult course on the PGA tour last season. We're ramping it up and see it. When we start to look at kind of the course key stats for this week, you know the model that I run. It comes out and I I look at the last 12 years of data. And of course, we've got a, a great set of data because we've we've always played at Muirfield Village. Uh, and and the two stats that stood out to me were around the green play and approach play, which I think sometimes can be contradictory, but also you're either you on a difficult course where nine under par won it last year and it won it by three shots, you know, the ability, you're either hitting a bunch of greens or you're playing from greenside, which is kind of the way we saw John Rahm do it. His ability to get up and down, make par was a good score often. So with what you know about this course and what you have now heard and what we're expecting with some of these renovations, are you altering some of the key stats and metrics that you might be looking for to find success this week?
1: Not really. I'm not altering them. I I mean, I'm definitely focused on approach, like most people will be, and I'm definitely going to tick up the around the green game more than really I have probably all season. I mean, there might be a couple exceptions that I'm forgetting, but around the green is going to around the green is going to be really important to me. So, uh, and and by the way, there's a lot of bunkers on this complex, so sand saves things of that nature are going to be important. Maybe you factor that in with overlapping with around the green, and then approach. Listen, approach in general is going to be really huge, but. Those proximities, I think between 150 and 200, I think those are going to be you know, those proximities are, are a little bit more than tour average in terms of Murfield versus, again, all the other courses on the PGA Tour. So I'm going to be kind of hyper focused on those. Not not so much so that the percentages are way off, but I'm definitely going to be looking at those particular proximities. But, yeah, approach around the green. And then as far as off the tee, yeah, I'll look at that a little bit. I mean, I think accuracy is going to come into play here like it did last week. So I'll be looking at that. And then, of course, you know, I don't factor in putting too much, but putting is definitely going to be important as well. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. Let's just jump right
0: into the big board. I'm going to show the cheat sheet here from rickrungood.com. All the tools that I flip through will be coming from my site. Uh, I like it. I hope you do too. Okay. So the $10,000 range here, Greg, I I find it fascinating. Okay, we've got ten golfers. Jordan Spieth is the most expensive golfer; he's eleven thousand three hundred. Our defending champion, John Rahm, eleven thousand one hundred. Bryson DeChambeau at ten nine. Rory at ten six. Colin Morikawa at ten four. And I can't tell you the last time that five guys were priced higher than Justin Thomas, but that is what we have this week. Greg, he's ten thousand. 200 and and we kind of talked about this a little bit with some sports books not knowing how to figure out and decipher between these top golfers I think DraftKings also having a similar issue this is a very intriguing tier we have I um I think
2: the only thing I would do differently if it were me like my in my kind of power rankings if you will I I think I'd be good with the first three I would probably switch McElroy and Morikawa um, Ooh, okay. And and I think that would be the only change I would make uh, if I were power ranking. So maybe there's a little bit of value with Morikawa. I imagine he's going to be extremely popular this week. People will remember that he won um, at this golf course as well, uh, kind of in... The I guess this would be like the C rendition. This week we'll have the the A because it's the newest, the most important. Then you have Muirfield of last year for the memorial, and that and that's a completely different setup than what we had at the workday. So I, I do think Morikawa will get a lot of um, action. I'm interested to get, hear what Sia has to th- say, but I do think that Spieth is the class of the field. I think he's earned that right through since waste management. I mean, every single tournament he's played, he has lived inside the top five. Um, and John Rahm is a good putting week away from winning. He's having the best ball striking season of his career. The one concern I have with Rahm is his around the green play has kind of slipped a little bit this year, but maybe, I mean, it was better at the PGA. So maybe it's a little bit better right now than it was say earlier in the year. So I, I kind of have a funny feeling John Rahm's turning the corner.
0: I tend to think that as well, and I look at some of the places that he's found success, played much better at the PGA Championship, he played well at Torrey Pines, we know he won this event last year, he won at Olympia Fields, I just feel like when the the course gets more difficult, John Rahm seems to rise to the top, yeah. and it's, it's interesting, Sia, because uh, Greg mentioned something that I, I know a lot of people are going to want to look at, not only the events that we've had, at Mirfield Village for the memorial, but you throw in the one workday charity open that we had last year. So that's what I've got up on, on rickrungood.com right now. And if I just sort by those those two events, right, over the past six years, uh, Patrick Cantlay, number one in strokes gain total, and that man, Colin Morikawa, number two. Now, of course, it's only eight rounds, but he's averaging 2.2 strokes gains per round. So to Greg's point, out of this 10K range, maybe there is a little bit of built-in value on Mr. Morikawa.
1: There might be, and by the way, that list you just flashed. I hope people are watching on YouTube because we're going to talk about a guy that's on that list much later in the show. <laughs> much later, much yeah. later in the show. So <laughs> please stay tuned for that because it's such an interesting thing that DraftKings decided to do with pricing of certain people here. But uh, you know, so here's the thing about Colin Morikawa. I, I really like him. I mean. As is typical with me, I think every other time we do this show, I'm saying, "Hey, I'm going to skip this elite range, this 10k and above range." I'm not going to skip it, but but I do like the 9k range a little bit better from a value standpoint. My one watch out for Colin Morikawa is simply the around the green game just hasn't been good. I mean, we know the putter is up and down, and I think we're willing to live with that because we're willing to live with the fact that hey, it's you know, it's probably a 50-50 proposition. The putter might get hot and you're good to go at that point. But if we're going to emphasize around the green game here, I mean, Colin just hasn't been that good around the green. I mean, and, and if you if you look at how he's how he's doing in the bunkers, I mean, you might expect he's not doing well there. In fact, he's doing even even worse in the bunkers than he is just the ge- the generic around the green metric. So that is kind of a watch out for me, which which is why you know there's not a lot of guys. Have, I mean, I like Jordan Spieth. The John Rahm thing. He's been a little sketchy. I mean, the, the, the new equipment has me sort of turned around a little bit. He's been a little sketchy in certain metrics. Even on approach, he's been ske- uh, sketchy from certain, from certain distances. I, I like him. If, if I had to pick one in this range, it would probably be Colin Morikawa, but I'm not too excited about it. And right behind Colin, I would say, is Jordan Spieth and John Rahm. Okay. Fair enough. Well, that
0: leaves us with one big name, or I guess a couple of big names we haven't spent much oxygen on. Let's start with $10,900. It's Bryson DeChambeau, Greg. And he, here's, here's the interesting thing. I, I, how good are we at assessing how we think Mirfield Village is going to play this week? Right, like How good are we at this? I, I don't think
2: we're very good right now. Um, okay. As the I, week I, goes I, on. We'll know As more. the week goes on, I think we'll get better because we got to hear what players have to say. And I haven't heard a lot of lingo from players, how much more difficult it is. But I, I think it's fair to say a couple of things. One, you know what, maybe, maybe we're better than we think because one, um, it's the same golf course architect. So we know Jack's style. We know what Jack wants you to do. We know what Jack values in challenging shots. He wants to challenge players in a specific way. So we know what that asks for. Um, And I will say on the Bryson front, trajectory is very important for Jack. He asks you to hit it really high. Um, We know he likes to set it up like a major championship, something that Mark talked about at length last night. Um, So we, we do know those things. We have an idea of you know, what they've done with some fairways and some trees. I think those things, they all kind of give Bryson a little bit of of an advantage. The one thing that I think holds Bryson back is the ability to fade his irons. Uh, he tends to draw his irons. His iron play hasn't been great, and that may be a problem, but the advantage he does have is the height. Most guys who draw the ball don't hit it as high as he does. Rory would be one um, exception, but it's very rare. So I, I think Bryson's trajectory and, and spin rates could give him a real advantage on a golf course like this. It's also got that that thick rough, the narrow fairways, the winged foot um, API kind of style. So I, I do think there's a lot of positives about Bryce. And the, the question is where, where is his game right
0: now? Well, that last point was what I was getting at with the, I mean, on paper, there is less acreage of fairway. There is more acreage of rough. Now that could come from anywhere on the course, but if this good is good for Bryson, that's great for Bryson, right? If the blueprint is more narrow fairways with thick rough, that is exactly what Bryson thrives in because everybody's going to miss the fairway and he can hit it better out of that thick stuff than, than most of the guys on the PGA tour. So, uh, that's where Bryson tends to thrive. And then you, you know, you kind of have, uh, I think a lot of questions around the other name. That we didn't talk about, which is Rory, Rory McElroy. See ya. Uh, okay. So I, I kind of have, you know, this is version, whatever you want to call it, two or three of Rory McElroy, where he, you know, he has the struggles. He misses the cut at the Masters. He signs on officially with a new swing coach. And now we've had two events one very good, he won at Quail Hollow, and one where he finished 49th at, at, at the PGA championship. And that, by his own standards, is not going to be good enough. So now we play
1: the game of what do we expect from Rory McElroy? Yeah, it's so hard to say. I, I think from a DraftKings standpoint, I'm going I'm going to be willing to play Roy McIlroy, but just not in droves. I mean, obviously you've got the first place finish, but it's it's buttressed against a 49th and a missed cut. And there really hasn't been much play in in the last two months, really. The the thing that worries me a little bit is his ability to keep it in the fairway. I mean, again, I guess the, the question is going to be when we see these practice rounds and we hear the players, you know, how thick is the rough? How problematic is it going to be? He just hasn't really been that good off the tee. I mean, obviously... From a yardage standpoint, he's great. But in terms of an accuracy standpoint, it is kind of a problem. So I, I do like him. I mean, every other part of his game checks out. The approach is there. The short game is there. Uh, he's, he's a good play, but I am a little nervous about Roy. So I'll, I'll play him, but sparingly.
0: And then I guess we have to, we can't get out of the 10K range without talking about all, all but one guy, which Greg leaves us with Justin Thomas, who, um, you know, I, I think the concern around JT is his, his weapon, his irons and his wedges, uh, at least for the last couple of weeks, have been very un JT like now. You could argue that a guy of his caliber is going to be able to bounce back. No problem. But we're looking at the PGA championship where he missed the cut. He was tour average with his approaches and the Charles Schwab challenge, which he finished for tour average with his approaches. It's one thing when we know Greg, that he's going to be all over the map with his putter. But when the weapon starts to go away, that's when I start to get concerned.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, there are two ways to look at that. It could be a fluke, could have been a bad sure. day. Maybe he had, you know, a stiff neck. I don't know. There, there are a lot of reasons why somebody can have an off day. So I don't generally look into it too much. But watching him play, just the eye test, I mean, he was sculling wedges over the green. Like, these are bizarre. He was hitting bizarre shots. And I'm kind of left in a place of wonder with that. Is that an anomaly? Is that, does that mean that, look, that was a fluke? it was a bad day. I got a bad night's sleep. I wasn't focused. I, I don't know what it could be. I, you know, I, I got in a fight with my girlfriend. I, I don't know what that could possibly be if you're JT, but it's definitely leaves me with a lot of questions. So I'm on the fence here. Could this be solved overnight? Could this just be, he's got to clear his head and get himself back to focused and we're going to get, uh, the JT that we normally get this week. Or is there? Is there a problem going on? And so for me right now, I'm leaning towards staying away from JT because this is my horse. This is my anchor. I have a feeling the winner of this tournament is going to come from this range. And and because of that, I got to stay away from JT because I I don't think he's ready to, to go win this week.
0: All right. Sorry, JT. You're not making Greg's short list, which allows us to go down to the $9,000 tier Sia. And you are already on record, my friend, as saying this is a, a tier you like. It starts with Victor Hovland, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Hideki Matsuyama, Corey Connors, and it's rounded out by Tony Finau, Patrick Reed, and Scotty Scheffler. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, am I really not going to say Victor Hovland? I mean, he you you really you really have to search long and hard to find something wrong with Victor Hovland's game. I mean, you really have to really split hairs and be like, oh, okay, there's this one little thing with this sort of narrow, narrow. Reference point that I want to examine, uh, like I, I believe maybe it's maybe one twenty five to one fifty where he's not rating out very well. I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Actually, it's one fifty to one seventy five. It looks like he doesn't rate out, you know, amazingly. Everything else, this guy rates out really well, which is why he's fourth in my model. I, I mean, I, I genuinely think you could have put Victor Hovland in the 10 k range, and I don't think anybody would have really. And by the way, in the betting market, I think he's he's above this range as well. So I like Victor Hovland quite a bit. Uh, other guys I like, believe it or not, I think I might actually go back to Patrick Cantlay. I mean, he, he rates out really well for me here. You know, obviously it looks like his game may have bounced back. I mean, with his recent form. So I'm not saying it has, I mean, we talked about this a little yesterday on the preview show where we're probably early on Patrick Cantlay, if we're taking him right now, especially uh, in this particular tournament. So I'm going to be focused on Cantlay, Victor Hovland, and believe it or not, you know, I think I like Tony Finau this week. I'd love for you guys to sort of, you know, cheer me on there. Cause then that'll really kind of, you know, support my theory, but Tony Finau rates out really well. And so I so, kind of like him as well.
0: So, um, Let's do, I'm looking at the last 24 rounds here just by strokes gain total. Victor Hovland is fourth. He's been phenomenal. It's Spieth, Morikawa, Hoffman, Victor Hovland. Those are the top four. If you look at Patrick Cantlay, the only real concern that I have left for him is the putter. He has not been able to figure it out. He's lost strokes putting in seven straight. I could not find another instance of that in my database. So he's in the worst putting stretch of his career. You'd argue maybe it comes around at some point, Uh, but I actually do like Tony Finau this Week He's he's someone that, you know, he had a a couple of of weird weeks in a row and now he's starting to turn the corner again. He has a putter issue as well, but he's starting to look more like the Tony Finau before Riviera when he went to a playoff with Max Homa than the one we saw, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. So Greg, I turn our our attention to you for this 9K range. We've got Hideki here. We've got Corey Connors. We've got Xander. I mean, who who in this range uh, has your full attention?
2: Uh, Hideki. Uh, Hideki does for sure. And it's it's because of what we said very early on in the show. Sia pointed out, uh, actually, Rick, you pointed out approach and around the green. Those are the two most important things. And this is where Hideki Matsuyama excels. Um, and so, yeah. for that reason, I I think he's in um in kind of in prime position to go out there and have a really solid week. And then you add to that he, his course history here, um, it, w- which is no surprise. He has a sixth in two thousand nineteen, um, the and, and he won his first attempt in two thousand fourteen. I think that was his first PGA Tour win. Yeah, he tied fifth I, in two thousand fifteen. He's he he didn't play great in 2020, Rick, but um, he I don't think Hideki was in his best of form at that time. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at Hideki and I'm saying a, a guy who's great with the iron play. He's great with his um, around the green plays, 35th for the year around the green and 19th for approach. And his form since Masters has actually not been that bad. He really had a chance at PGA. Um, The third round probably let it get away from him. So I'm looking at at Hideki as the guy
0: in this range. I I tend to agree with you, Greg. He's been very good. And the other part I love about it is he is never owned on DraftKings. I'm looking at his historic ownership here. In his last eight starts, he has cracked a double digits one time. He was ten point seven percent owned at the Players Championship. The last four weeks, five percent, six percent, seven percent, three percent. The guy, just yeah. nobody ever plays him. It's amazing stuff. No, I, yeah, he's the Masters champion,
2: right? I mean, but but he's a low key. Typically, guys like that, will give a couple of weeks. Like they're they're not going to win again anytime soon. It's too big of a deal, but. <laughs> For Hideki, I don't know. It it feels like um like he's taking kind of an under the radar approach, at least here in America. He was uh, gonna sure win the PGA
0: the championship. championship. I'm I'm sure of it. He was gonna win the PGA championship, except for like that four hole stretch that he had. I think it was on Saturday. And it was yeah. just like he was awesome. He played sixty eight holes, awesome.
2: He did. I completely agree. <laughs> so I look, I, I I think he's set up for another great week this week.
0: Uh, the bottom of this range, see a Patrick Reed and Scotty Scheffler, uh, two guys coming off missed cuts at Fort Worth, which used to be a bigger deal for ownership. But, uh, Patrick Reed did it in a way that was pretty ugly. He shot a horrible Friday. I think it was a 75 and he missed a five footer for par on his last hole. And everybody saw it, which I know impacts people. And Scotty Scheffler was, uh, arguably maybe one of the maybe the most popular guy who missed the cut last week. He's an even 9,000. Now there were a ton of six of six lineups, but what do you think the industry does around these two guys coming off of early weeks?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be low ownership. So I think if you were going to do a contrarian play or make a contrarian play, I'd probably do it with Scotty Scheffler. In spite of the fact that last week, I mean, he, he lost strokes on approach. I mean, it's not exactly the recipe, but we know how he can pile up DraftKings points. And, and when the game, when the ball striking is in form, he can absolutely contend. The thing about Patrick Reed, I, you know, just... The metrics don't match up, which is why I haven't really been on him this entire year. I mean, I'm I'm actually a Patrick Reed fan. I like playing him. I like him kind of being in a range where he's always sort of contrarian. I also like betting his outright number because there's usually some value on it. But I don't think I can take him among some of these guys in the 9K range. So I'm absolutely off Patrick Reed. I might play a little Scheffler just to be different, but... I'm, I'm a fan of neither of those two this week.
0: Okay, fair enough. There is some intriguing options down in the 8K range. And then, of course, we've got to get to the value. And there's one guy very much near the bottom that we're going to have a discussion about. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a
1: word from our partners from the world of sonic the hedgehog a new hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus yes
0: And we're back. 8000 dollars range, fairly small. It starts with Sam Burns, who's coming off a miss or excuse me, a withdrawal at the PGA championship. We're gonna have to talk about that. Joaquin Neiman, Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Smith, Louis Ustedes and Shane Lowry, and then Greg, it wraps with Charlie Hoffman, who's been unbelievable. Sung J M, Billy Horschel, Keegan Bradley, and Ricky Fowler. Hit it, Jacob.
1: Ricky Fowler. <laughs>
2: yes. Good That's my favorite one. Every time I hear his name now, I I, I say that in my mind and Ricky you know, Fowler. I, I can't
0: say it without it. I can't say that or playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yep. That's great. Same deal. Okay, so in
0: this range,
2: let's get started. With, this is a little bit of a maybe a contrarian range, right? You get the big boys. You're looking up up top. You got your your pick of the litter. You can take guys that actually have great short games and great um and great approach games. You can kind of match exactly what the course asks for to the player. You can find your your guys in there this range, I think you got to start making a couple of sacrifices one way or another. So first guy that I like is Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, one, I think he plays this style of golf course really, really well Two, I think he's having a great year. One of, the best of his career, maybe the best. He was tied 23rd at the PGA, um, and he had a really nice run before that missed cut at the Byron Nelson, which I, I think is, was kind of an overrated. He took, a, he took a little bit of time off from RBC Heritage to the Byron Nelson and then missed the cut. I think he's going to come in um, ready to go. And he so he's he's gaining approaching the green this year. He's 89th on tour, which isn't great, but, um, but he's 44th around the green, and he's 16th game putting, and he had a great run here last year. He was third last year in this event, but more so than just that, he also played great at the BMW Championship last year. He played great at the API. Um, I believe that was, I believe that was this year, I, and I have it, it right was. here. Yeah, yeah, and, tied tenth at the API, ninth at the Players. Right, the, these hard courses he plays great.
0: Yeah, and and I think before I, I don't, I if you want if you want to talk about other guys, that's fine, but I want to jump in here on on Matt Fitzpatrick because yeah. I, what I don't think people realize, Greg, is how good he. He's been off the tee because you're never like, oh, Matt Fitzpatrick, absolute bomber. He's just kind of sneaky longer than you think he is. And he hits a ton of fairways. So he has now gained strokes off the tee in every event since Riviera. That was like nine or 10 events ago for him. And you look at his results on hard courses. You were mentioning it. It's the fifth at Riviera. It's the 11th at workday. The concession was a beast. 10th at API, ninth at the players championship. I I mean, the guy just shows up.
2: Yeah. It, well, it, it offers, um, his style of play. And he said this before too. I, he likes when it's, when it's difficult because you got to play a little bit differently. You got to think finding fairways becomes a little bit more valuable. Of course, there are other ways around it. You can, you can play the Bryson style and, and do that, but you, you don't have to go out there and make a birdie on every hole, right? You got to think your way around the golf course a little bit. And it's something that Matt Fitzpatrick's really, really good at. So, um, so for that reason, I'm a big fan of Matt Fitzpatrick this week. Okay, uh, and then a couple other guys in this range, I think sure. they're going to be really popular, um, and I'm sure that they're in C's models as well. But Charlie Hoffman and Keegan Bradley, like like are they? I'll ask you guys. Are they um, like in the? too good to be true category are they a little over popular this week is there a problem because i can't find a problem with charlie hoffman i i can't find a reason not to play him other than can he really do it again
1: there's so, not a reason yeah there's not a reason not to play him i mean i, I looked because I, I greg i agree with you that i was kind of almost looking for okay when is it going to finally break down for charlie hoffman he's striking it too well rick sorry to interrupt No,
0: no, I was just, I was just going to illustrate the same thing. I mean, so this is the last 24 rounds. Strokes gained approach. Uh, number one in this field is Colin Morikawa. Number two is Charlie Hoffman. Uh, if you go to T to, if you go to T to green, Charlie Hoffman is behind only Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth, Keegan Bradley's like eighth or ninth on this list. I mean, it is what these guys are doing. Um, Fantasy people understand it, right? They're playing them constantly every single week because they're they're in the low eight thousand range and they're ball striking the heck out of it and they're they're doing really good things. So I, I don't I don't know what the argument is outside of they're gonna be popular. Yeah, I mean,
2: even I guess you could make a a course history argument. He missed the last two cuts in 19 and in 18. Um, He doesn't really have a great record here. No top 10s, only one top 25 in 2014. But um, he didn't have a great record at Colonial either. So I kind of feel like he's just playing well enough to outplay the fact that he may not (laughs) love the course may not love the setup. I, I think he's hitting it too good. So he's yeah, I'm definitely on team Hoffman this week.
0: He, he's a team Charlie. He's a huge, uh, we're going to have shirts for every single player. on yeah. uh, he, Oh, I should, we should one on says team. No pot. What are we thinking? That would have been, a Oh yeah. Um, yes that's so, an obvious one an obvious one see I think that if you're gonna pivot off these guys the natural pivot is probably Billy Horschel so Horschel in in, in his last five starts at Mirfield Village has three top 13 finishes he's playing well we know he won the match play he played well at the Zurich he's kind of this grinders mentality is he the most natural pivot of these guys in the low eights
1: yeah, I think the most natural pivot for me is probably Louie and Shane Lowry. Uh, I, I like, okay. especially if this course plays as hard as as we think it might. And again, we'll find out as the week goes and, and as some practice rounds get in. But I, I really like Louie. I mean, if you if you break him down over the last 24 rounds, he's great. If you actually scale it even up to 12 rounds, he he's even better. So he's really on an upward trajectory, I think. I agree with the Matthew Fitzpatrick call, and he's not maybe – He's not a pivot per se, but he's definitely a guy that I like, especially if the conditions are tough. But, yeah, I I like Fitzpatrick. I like Louis. I I guess – with Billy Horschel, I mean, uh, what you just flashed on the screen—it was pretty impressive. Not just the recent history, but the course history here. So, I, I might have to mine a little bit deeper there. But my my guys in this range are Fitzpatrick, of course, Hoffman, and Keegan Bradley. And again, again, speaking of upward trajectory, if you break it down from 24 to 12 with those two guys, it's really great too. But I think Louis might be the pivot for me, or Shane Lowry. So,
0: okay, lots to unwrap there. Billy Horschel, just to put a bow on him, if you go back to just the the Meerfield Village story line he is basically the third best player in this field historically if you have at least 20 rounds so that's where billy horschel pops up and to put a bow on uh louis for sia if you go to the last 12 rounds that's what i'm showing on the screen right now the three best players sam burns which maybe we should talk about what the heck we're going to do with sam burns mm-hmm. sam burns victor hovland and then louis ustazen is number three keegan is number four jordan spieth is number five so greg i'll i'll turn our attention uh for sam burns to you he is coming off of a win, a runner-up a runner-up, a I believe it was 4th at the Zurich with with Billy Ho, and then he played what I, I think he played 6 holes at the PGA Championship and withdrew and cited a back injury.
2: Yeah, and that's the that that's kind of the problem here, right? Does like does any of that stuff matter? Um or Cause an injury can really throw you off your rhythm. So, so you're right. He has a win a second and only plays a couple of holes at PGA. I'm sure that crushed a lot of lineups. Um, it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. He I'm sure it crushed a couple owned. of yours. Yeah, right. Yeah. 15%, 15% owned. owned. Right. Um, not surprising. And it should be that way. He's coming off a win at a second. Like, yeah, you got to play Sam Burns, but where, are where are we with the, injury. Is he is he nicked up? Is he hurt at all? I mean, I, I, I've seen I, I think I'm a fade on Sam Burns. One, that is a big question mark for me. And the other reason is he has played here twice and he shot 81 twice in yeah. he's played four rounds here, right? Two of them half the time he shot 81. <laughs> um so he's got two 81s and he's got a 73 and a 71. Uh, that doesn't. I know it's, this is a different player we're talking about now, but because of the injury and because of the course history, I'm I'm a little more uh, skittish on Sam Burns.
1: One thing, Rick, real quick, that I wanted to point out because I don't want to lose this thought because we have been emphasizing around the green game in this 8K range. There are four guys within the top 15 and around the green game over the last 24 rounds. Maybe you want a bigger sample size for this particular metric, maybe not. But over the last 24 rounds, Keegan Bradley is eighth, Louis eleventh. Lowry, I believe is 15th and Ricky Fowler makes an appearance as well. I don't know if we want to talk about him, but the point is when you're talking about Keegan and you're talking about guys like Charlie Hoffman, you know, you want to analyze it, I guess, from all different aspects. I mean, I think people would be surprised that Keegan's in the top 10 around the green and, and obviously Louie and Lowry doesn't shock me that they're up there as well.
0: Yeah, I was already loading up uh Ricky Fowler because we I guess we have to talk about this. So he got his Ricky first Fowler. Yeah. <laughs> got his first I paused cuz I thought he was going to hit it and then I didn't and then he got me cuz I didn't know how long to wait. Um the <laughs> the top 10 that he had at the PGA Championship Greg was his first top 10 since last year's American Express. That's in like January. We're talking about <laughs> That's 16 months. That's 16 months of golf between top tens. Are we magically now going to say, all right, he's back or I've got to see more.
2: I, for me personally, I've got to see more. Um, but from a DFS standpoint, maybe maybe you could take a flyer on Ricky Fowler. Um, see, what do you think about his ownership? Because I, I definitely have some analysis here, but I want to know what you think his ownership will be. Is
1: it going to be, is it going to be overly inflated this week? If you want to go out and win a million dollars with a single bullet, (laughs) you pivot off of Keegan Bradley, the free square, which people are going to call him that you pivot off Charlie Hoffman at 8,300, the free square, and you play Ricky Fowler. So my thought there is if you want to play him in this giant tournament and you want to throw, you know, a couple bullets in the chamber and, you know, instead of 150 max, you want to throw two, Guys like Ricky Fowler should be in your lineup, not Keegan Bradley and Charlie Hoffman. So if it's a single entry or three max, I'm happy to play the chalk in in those particular circumstances. But uh, Ricky, I don't think the ownership is going to be high because of who else is there.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, that's so. That's good analysis. So in that case, these are the, the, at the PGA Championship. It's not just that he came in tied eighth, okay? Because because there are a number of factors that go into why somebody does well, and when you get on a place like Kiowa Island, the Ocean Course, it, it's a little bit like an Open Championship. Right? Padraig Harrington comes in tied fourth. Uh, if if Padraig Harrington was in this field, I don't think we would be playing him. Um, so just to kind of put that in perspective, there's a lot of ways to get it done on a windy, firm, challenging major championship style golf course. But Ricky Fowler was 17th, uh, approaching the green and he was, I, I think he was like fourth in the field putting he had. So he had a great putting week. He had a great approach, uh, a great iron play week. And those are the things that were plaguing Ricky Fowler in this massive gap between top tens. So I, I am um, optimistic about maybe a little improvement in iron play, maybe a little improvement in putting. The question I have is how does he get to that number of 17th approaching the green last week? Cause he, he only hit, um, he, he didn't hit more than 13 greens in a round. Um, so he had a round where he only hit eight greens. So is he, really striking it well, or was the ball striking just really tough for everybody? So uh, there are a lot of questions floating about me, but I would say the overwhelming positive is that he had, had an uptick in iron play and in putting.
0: And to emphasize Greg's point, Podrick Harrington is in this field, and we aren't playing him. So that was a perfect little <laughs> note there, Greg. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, I didn't
2: even know it, I, I, and I should know it. I mean, I'm a huge Podrick fan, but we are you know know—you're you're really surprised that he came and tied fourth last week. We're not saying Podrick's on the way to, you know, contending at the Memorial. I, I don't think that's
0: that's our thought process at this point. Maybe we're wrong. I think we're right but I always think we're right until Sunday evening. And then we find out that we are wrong. Uh, Hopefully it's not Friday evening. (laughs) That's true. That's actually very true. The $7,000 range, gentlemen, Adam Scott, Gary Woodland at the top. It goes all the way down to, Oh boy. KH Lee, Cam Davis, which, by the way, both of those now have officially changed their name in the PGA database, which is like, you know it's tough for data if you if you're dealing with data it's tough so cam davis is now cam davis instead of cameron davis and kh lee going by the initials he's they're both down there at 7000 sia carlos ortiz
1: ch3 aaron wise who's moving the needle for you in the 7k range so this is such a big pool of players and and i like a lot of them so i really have to kind of reel it in a little bit so i'm going to sort of gloss over a couple of names i do like gary woodland i played him last week as you guys know and and that worked out i don't love him this week but i do like him uh emiliano grillo i always like you know at this price i still think emiliano grillo is being Priced fairly, Uh, you know, obviously the short game can, can catch him up, but he also has upside there too. Uh, Cameron Tringali. I want to point out just because his around the green game is, is really good. He's definitely one of the better guys on tour around the green, but guys, I I think I really like are Stuart sink for one. I like him. Uh, Doug Gim believe it or not, he actually gained with the putter last week. I'm not saying he found something necessarily, but the ball striking is so good with Doug Gim that if he can be positive with the putter, um, I think you're in, you're in really good shape there. I think the price is right to take a chance on him here and there. Uh, Lucas Glover jumps out to me. I think this is a better course for Matt Jones than last week. I said last week, you know, I wasn't really on Matt Jones. I didn't think it was the best course fit. I think this is a little bit better. And by the way, He's number one in the field last 24 rounds around the green. So he's going to be comfortable there. The last guy I'll mention is Charles Schwertzel. I mean, obviously his last time out wasn't great, but he's been in really, really good form. Oh, one one other guy I really like who rates out surprisingly well in my model, Uh, doesn't have many deficiencies, Aaron Wise. I like him, and I've clicked that button at 125 to 1 at William Hill for him to win it all. Why not, right?
0: Why not? Right. All right. I've got a couple of nuggets from that. So Cameron Tringali. I think I'm looking at the last 24 rounds right now, as Sia mentioned, one of the better around the green players. He is third. If you look at uh, Doug Gim, he is consistently one of the better T to green players in the field. One of the better ball strikers in the field, but he's constantly a loser with the flat stake. He straightens that out for, uh, for four days at the Charles Schwab challenge and he finished 14th. And I don't think I had another nugget. So Greg, I'm going to turn the 7,000 range over to you, my friend, and let's see what we can find.
2: Boy, big range here. Um, And I think Sia hit a lot of names that I had written down. So one one name I wrote down was, was Gary Woodland. I think he could be a really solid play this week. Um, Cameron Tringale, who you just mentioned, I, I think is a really solid play. He's just so well-rounded in his game. He's really solid a- approaching the green off the tee, um, around the green, as you mentioned, and he's 34th on tour for the year strokes game putting. So, um, I look at him as a guy who's a real good option. Um, kind of seems like a safe play, even though he did what he did at the PGA championship. Um, then, so another guy that I'm kind of. All right, so what I have left, there are three guys I have left. One of them is a big question mark. I'm curious to get your thoughts. One okay. of them I feel really confident about, but I'm guessing that this is another one of the Ricky Fowler type, hey, if you want to win a million dollars, you put <laughs> this guy in your lineup, and it's Bubba Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, So Bubba Watson missed the cut at the uh, – no, he made the cut at PGA, but he didn't play Finished
0: very well. Finished like He's dead last after that. Eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
2: now not a, not a course I would imagine would be a bubble course, um, but he was 18th at the Wells Fargo, he was 13th at the Valspar, 26th at the Masters. He's had a, a number of events this year that have kind of surprised me, where on non-bubble courses, he's actually done okay, Um. PGA is an exception, but again, I, I'd probably rather you'd miss the cut there. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. So what has Bubba done here at the Memorial? it hasn't been all that bad. He was 32nd last year. He was tied sixth in 2017. He has a third place finish in 2014. Of course, that was a great year for him. I think Bubba Watson is playing some really good golf and is worth a look. And if he gets near the top of the leaderboard, he could be really advantageous in your lineup.
0: Um, what What are your thoughts on that, Rick? Um, I like Bubba. I think that what we're seeing from him is kind of a return to the good version of Bubba, which is him consistently gaining off the tee. That's, that should be the built-in floor with Bubba is that he's going to gain you three, four, right. five strokes off the tee. That's that's the floor. Uh, the question marks are going to be the putter as always. He seems to always struggle with pace. Uh, I don't know if it's pace and line, but it's actually hard to watch at times. And then I guess what we're seeing from him more recently is he's starting to find his irons. He's starting to find those ways. Wed- He's starting to find um, the approach game a little bit more now. It was ugly at the PGA Championship, but when you get to a course that that's that difficult, uh, I'm willing to write off a lot of things. And yeah. we've seen that this has been basically dating back to the end of 2020 a pretty good stretch of golf for Bubba. So I'm I'm not usually a Bubba guy off of those three or four courses that we think are good fits for him, but I I'm starting to gain a lot of traction on him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think if he can hit, he's one of those guys that can hit a really high percentage of greens in regulation. And it takes the pressure in an event like this, where you're not going to have to get to 20 under, um, at least it doesn't seem that way right now.
0: If somebody gets 20 under (laughs) my God, we're in trouble.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think so. I really think so. I mean, maybe they, they get a little bit of rain and it softens up the place. And at, at that point, if it's wet, you can get to 20 under on any course. Um, but this one, I, I don't think you're going to have to make that many birdies. So if Bubba can drive it really well and hit a lot of greens of regulation, I think you can have a player there that can make a ton of pars, take advantage of par fives and shoot some really good scores. So he's interesting to me. Um, the other guy on my list is Kevin Streelman, who just seems to be popping up, but he he hasn't gotten it done on Sundays, um, which is a little bit of a concern to me, but I, I don't mind the price here I, I think streelman is kind of in a, a, a very solid price range and he's played some good golf 20th at the Charles Schwab eighth at the PGA um, but again you look at these last three he was 26 at the Wells Fargo as well but 72 75 72 on Sundays uh, and the RBC Heritage he shot 73 he was also in the mix there is there a Sunday problem with Kevin Streelman or is he worth maybe taking a chance on again?
0: What I like about Streelman is uh, he has a pretty good history at Muirfield Village too. His last his yeah. last six years is what I'm showing on the screen right now. He's he's never missed a cut. Four of them are top 18s. His best finish in 2019 was a fourth place finish. Uh, seems to be getting at least more comfortable being on the first page of the leaderboard now. With you know, let's call it three straight top 25s, uh, his, his history, at least in the last five years is much more reminiscent of Matt Kucher. Uh, but he's playing better than Kucher right now. So it's, I think it's a pretty good stab in this mid $7,000 price price range.
2: Okay. That's good. All right. So one last guy, in this range, um, who I I think is a a lot of potential value. If you're going to stay away from a Cam Davis or an Aaron wise, and you're looking for a pivot from there, um, Taylor Gooch, I think is a really well-rounded player um, who just came in 14th at the Charles Schwab. He's having a really consistent year. Um, He was 44th at the PGA 39th at the Byron Nelson, 26th at the Wells Fargo. Um, He came in fifth all the way back at the players. This is kind of a year I, I was expecting a little bit, bit of a breakout year for Taylor Gooch this year. And I I don't think we've gotten the breakout year, but I do think we've gotten a, a much improved year. Um so he, he's a, again another well-rounded player.
0: Whatever his result was at Riviera uh was kind of better than it seemed. He was in he was in the group with Max Homo, which I think was the second to last group on Sunday. So he was right in yeah. the mix. He didn't he really play particularly well. Yeah, which which it was because it was a bad Sunday, but otherwise he played yeah. well for three rounds around a very difficult Riviera. So always good to know about that as well. Uh, let's bop down to the six K range and see uh I mean we've kind of been hyping this up the whole time. There's a guy way down in the six should we just should we just start there? Do we just scroll all the way down? You want to can I guess? Sure. You have well, guys have be been talking. It. I completely missed it. You're going is... to be able to guess it because well, I don't want to give it away. But well, yeah, yeah,
2: don't give it away. But I already know. I know I got a, it. Is it he's at 6100?
0: Yes. Yeah. Kyle is Stanley. It? Yeah, it's Kyle Stanley.
2: And this is a Kyle is this the Vin- is, Yeah. Is this the Vincent Whaley of this year? Because, so by the way, like tied 20th for Vincent Whaley last week. The, the jinx didn't work. Our jinx failed. He was, he was a very safe 6200.
0: The whale is incapable of being jinxed. He is, <laughs> he is too good. He is too good. Vincent Whaley was 6,200 last week. Depending on the contest you were in, he was either 13% owned or 26% owned. He was very popular, but he got the job done. And Sia, again, I mean, listen, I, I don't know what we do with these guys. This is, this is going to burn us eventually, but when you start scrolling down the list and you start to get below $6,500 and these guys have missed 80 and 90% of their last 10 cuts, and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you see a guy named Kyle Stanley at 6,100 who's coming off a top 10, who has four straight top forties, who has a sixth at a second in his last three trips to this. Like, what are we do? He's gonna be popular, but do we just have to plug him?
1: Yes. Yes, this is this is the this you is have the to this is the whale e play from this week. Like that, uh, you see what I did there, guys. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you have to play him. That doesn't mean you have to play. Him. It's not lock button. You don't play him in every single lineup. I mean, just like Whaley, you know, I, you know, I think he was somewhere in most tournaments somewhere between like twelve and twenty percent, and I think that's fair. And I think that's kind of good news, bad news. I mean, it's not like everybody is going to be playing Kyle Stanley. N- not everybody played Whaley, but if you played him you were really gaining on the field quite a bit. So I think Stanley is is not a must play, but you, you have to throw him in some lineups.
0: Isn't it weird that because Whaley made the cut and finished 20th last week, now everyone will be much more comfortable playing Stanley? Like if, if Whaley missed the cut, two completely different guys who do not have any impact on one another at all. If Whaley, <laughs> yeah. if Whaley yeah. would have missed the cut last week, we'd be avoiding Kyle Stanley because it's like, this feels like
1: the same exact thing. It does. Really- no, go ahead. Well, real quick, what, what's really funny about that is that you're right, and I wonder if the percentage will be higher I mean, because I mean, Kyle Stanley hasn't exactly done what Vince Whaley did from up from a made cut standpoint, but. I'm actually considering pivots in this range. That's the funny wow. part that I'm actually... Like, Russell Knox is here, guys. Yes, he missed the cut. He let some people down, including myself. But last week, I believe he was 7,300. He's still been very good on approach. Like, it's just funny that I'm even making the argument that, hey, if you want to pivot off the, the 6,100 chalk in Kyle Stanley, go to Russell Knox. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous to say, but I think both of those guys are in play. Do you, like, I, I just... <laughs> It's so hard for me
0: to I don't understand this. He came you tied late like last week too. Well, you know what? You know what I think the issue? Well, no, cuz I guess it wasn't an issue because he was a late add to this field, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's in the he's in the first run of pricing, so they knew what they were getting themselves into. I I, I don't I don't He's know.
1: got Greg, he, called, I mean, Greg called it a glitch last week. It feels like a glitch this week too.
0: I don't understand how this can <laughs>
1: Can Is, I, is can this I,
2: just like a design to get people to to get everybody? Like, is this like a freebie down at the bottom that they're giving us? So that I, I don't understand.
1: I I don't understand it. I must me,
2: be missing something.
1: Greg, let me add a layer of perspective here because I think this is actually important to understand. Like, is this a real price? I mean, is it a price we should actually associate with a Kyle Stanley type? Okay. The guys that are seventy four hundred, Charles Schwartzel and Matt Kuchar, on William Hill, are at 10 hundred to one. Seventy four hundred, Matt Kuchar and Charles Schwartzel are 10 hundred to one. 1. Guess who else is 100 to 1? Kyle Stanley. Kyle Stanley. So, it, like, you can call it a glitch. You can call it whatever you want. But he is clearly not in the class of these guys in the in the six k range altogether. I mean, if, if I was trying to put a fair price on him, I'd say 7,100, 7200 something like that. But the point is, William Hill and most of the sports book sports books, I'm guessing, have him ranked with a Matt Kuchar with a Charles Schwartzel, who we've already discussed, are pretty good plays this week.
2: Well, we know there he is lost is only in one. a playoff. He made four birdies in a I row. To lose in a to get into a playoff three years ago, (laughs) he just came in tied eighth last week. He's made four cuts in a row. This, This is a complete glitch. And I thought Vincent Whaley was safe last week. This may be, don't say it. Okay.
0: Got it. Got it. The greatest. The, the greatest play. Even ever. safer.
2: <laughs> this oh. is the safest. I could say it confidently. This is the safest sixty-one hundred dollar play in DraftKings PGA Tour golf history. Um and last week was as safe as sixty two hundred, so I I love the play this week unless he unless there's something they know we don't he's hurt and he hasn't to, you know he hasn't told anybody about it I mean this
0: doesn't make any sense on paper The... The rest of the six thousand dollar range also exists, and I scroll up a little. <laughs> I scroll up a little bit and uh, see. Uh, I see a guy at six thousand eight hundred named Alex Noren, who uh, also has been on this kind of consistent cut making streak. Five events in a row, he's made the weekend. Four of them were top twenty fives. So his most recent finish was the fifty fifth at the PGA Championship. And when you start talking about difficult golf courses that you might need to rely on your short game, Alex Noren starts coming to mind for me.
1: Yeah, I like it. And he he rates out pretty well. I think he has some upside, at least I would say at least top 20 upside. I mean, over the last 24 rounds, he's been a little sketchy on some of the more like the shorter approach shots, which I think is interesting. But those proximities, we've also talked about 150 to 175, 175 to 200. He's top 10 in both of those. So, I mean, you're getting a little bit of good and a little bit of bad on approach. But everything else rates out pretty well. I mean, around the green, he's very good with the putter. He's very good compared to the field Um, greens in regulation. He's average. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty smart play.
0: All right, who else see ya in the 6K range might, uh, might be an option for you?
1: Yeah, so we discussed two that I like, which were of course Russell Knox and, and Stanley. I'll just yep. I'll give out a couple more. Uh, I don't love this range, but there's definitely some potential gold. I think Danny Lee is interesting. You know, I, I understand I might be sort of chasing points here. I mean, he was pretty good last week. But Danny Lee, I mean, even even back if you date it back a couple of years ago, you know, Danny Lee was competing in some of these tournaments and he just sort of fell off the radar. So I, I think in the 6K range, if you're trying to be super different, I think Danny Lee is decent. The only other guy I want to point out out is uh i feel almost bad that i'm pointing him out because he's greg's guy uh adam hadwin is in the 6k range i think he's 6700 and he's been playing very well greg first to market on adam hadwin was probably two months ago he started talking about him and the game's really coming around early but it is coming around it is i'll give you that it's coming around i mean eighth place last week you know made cut at the pga he has you know not great course history here but he has got some good course history
2: and he got the juices flowing early on thursday which i like last week it always makes you feel good when you know you see your guy when you wake up you you first check the leaderboard and he's four under through six you know so we got off to a good start last week which is cool uh
0: speaking of early starts um Danny Lee will be winning this golf tournament Thursday morning at 7.34 Eastern. (laughs) He'll be be in like 50th an hour later, but he will be winning this tournament. Uh, I assume he's just, he's always has an early Thursday tea time. He always goes out and makes three birdies right away.
1: And then you worry about the rest of the week, but he is always, always that guy when I wake up. I'll have a first round leader sweat for like seven minutes. Just like last week. I don't know if you saw my post. I had Vincent Whaley and Kyle Stanley as first round leaders. And they were kind of like tied for second about, you know, two hours into their, to their, um, to their first round. And it didn't work out. And then who was it? Speeth
0: and Sergio, Spieth and Sergio got it done. Sergio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, anybody else gentlemen in the seven or excuse me, $6,000, range. Yeah, I got um, a in, I got
2: an interesting guy. So Stanley's the safe play, right? You're you're, you're going to play Yeah, you're going to go with Stanley. I mean, he's a, the, my favorite guy regardless of price in the 6k range. Um like if you took obviously there is pricing involved because it's a 6k range, but from 6900 down to min price, he's my favorite in the range. Okay? Um I am not averse to a guy named Danny Willett. Um, which is a much more risky pick, a much more 6 k-ish. Type play Now, Danny Willett came in 64th at the PGA Championship, but it, he, he did come in 11th at the British Masters. He was 18th at the RBC Heritage. So he's had, he's kind of had this like every other tournament thing going on where he's performed pretty well. And, and he's done well at Muirfield Village. He's only played here twice. Um, he was tied 27th in 19 and tied 32nd in 2020. So um, any, and by the way, in 2020, he shot 82 on Sunday which was a really tough day, if Mm -hmm. you remember last year. He was right there in the mix. So I give Danny Willett a little bit of a chance. I may throw a flyer at him in my non-Kyle Stanley lineups. Maybe that's just (laughs) line up. Um, I may may get one share of Danny Willett in there. All
1: right. Rick, if I... If I could throw just two other guys in there that I think are worth considering. Yep. They're both they're both Rick Gaiman specials, actually. Lonto Griffin, who Ooh. again, he's under seven K and yeah. um Brandon yeah, Lance, Steele at sixty five hundred.
0: Lonto has not been good, unfortunately. Steel, I think is a lot more interesting because uh, yes, he made the cut at the PGA didn't play well after that. Yeah. He made the cut at, at Quail Hollow didn't play particularly well after that, but when you compare him to his peers, he's made more cuts than a lot of the guys priced in the same way. And he's, and he's had a couple of top twenties recently at Mirfield village. He would have been the one guy, of course, that I would have pointed out because he's, he's one of my guys.
2: I yeah. He's, he's your, your team steel, another team steal
0: teams. <laughs> We're going to have a closet full of soon. Um, <laughs> All right, gentlemen, that was fun. That was your DFS preview. We have a mega preview pod coming out on Tuesday. We have round-by-round recaps after every single round's conclusion or almost conclusion, depending on how slow they're playing. Sometimes we get out here and we hop on a few minutes early, but I think that'll do it. Anything else?
1: I just wanted to say that I'm Team Brooks as well. That's it. Yeah,
0: I, I I have to pull the numbers. I want to see how many people ordered Team Brooks shirts and how many people ordered Team Bryson shirts. That'll tell the real story. and people people put their money where their mouth is.
2: Yeah, I like that, Rick. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think I'm sitting on uh, Bryson Island, um, wow. all by myself. It seems. <laughs> But anyway, I I just, I want to wish everybody a happy, happy Memorial day. Um, freedom isn't free. So very grateful for all that we have grateful. We get to, I get to work with you boys on, um, uh, you know, every week on a,
0: a golf podcast like this. Very grateful. There you go. I can't top awesome. that. So we're going to end the show right now. Let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Sia Najad, who you can find at Sia Najad. That's Greg Ducharme. You can find him at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.